The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto, and i got to tell you, it's a great time to be on the radio instead of on the TV because you do not know what a bad hair day I'm having in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Here we are under some ice, and it's a really crummy day out there, but it's really warm inside. I am totally delighted to be with you and hoping that you're feeling that way, too. Thanks for joining me. Today's show will address... What happens between the time that you get home from the hospital with your baby? I'm kind of thinking you got home in the two to three days neighborhood. And then what happens from the time you get home until 10 days? That 10 days mark is really a big marker. So I want you to be fully prepared for what to anticipate. And I want to give you some clear strategies for how to deal with all of that. Now, remember most babies are normal. Most mothers are normal. And occasionally you run into some problems. But as my wonderful friend Debbie Bokar always says, most breastfeeding problems are transient and solvable. So then, I want to just pick up just a teeny little bit with what I did last week where I talked about those first three days. I'm going to give you just a little bit of a recap here. I talked about milk content and the milk content being very highly concentrated in immunoglobulins and in total protein during those first three days. I want to make sure you understand, though, an awful lot of people somehow think that once the colostrum is gone, that somehow the immunoglobulins, or some people will call them the antibodies, somehow they think that they're gone or they've disappeared, and that's just not true. They're just mostly concentrated in those first three days because everything seems more concentrated when you've got just very small volumes. So that brings me then to having very little volume in those first two to three days or so. In fact, those first three days are the colostral phase and most moms don't have any more than 30 millimeter, milliliters excuse me, of colostrum by day three. 30 milliliters is only about six teaspoons, okay? And that's for a 24-hour period. In a 24-hour period, the average mother will have an average of six teaspoons of colostrum. So then, as we discussed last week, 
Engorgement of the breasts happens at about two to three days. Engorgement is really normal. It's natural. You want the breast to fill up with milk, right? That's why you're breastfeeding, because you want to have milk. And so engorgement is a term that actually means something that is normal. Here, the breasts become full, the milk volume becomes abundant, and you may be feeling tender or swollen, and that's okay. What's not okay is if at that three or four day mark, you felt pathologic engorgement. Pathologic engorgement is really different. That means that your milk supply has become abundant, but it also means that you've got a lot of this swelling and congestion and the breasts are hard and I'm talking hard. I'm talking rock hard breasts and nipples. It's like having a big hunk of concrete on your chest. Okay? Now, that pathologic engorgement is usually the result of some sort of skipped feedings. And by skipped feedings, I mean infrequent feedings Or maybe the baby slept through the night because you asked the nurse if the baby could be in the nursery. And uh, it, it could be giving the baby a pacifier when he should have had a feeding. Any of those things are missed feedings. And that is usually, certainly not always, but almost always the the cause of a pathologic engorgement. So then just two more points on that three-day thing, and that is jaundice and sore nipples, if they had occurred, should be resolving by three or four days. And the baby who had just a few stools and a few wet diapers in the first three days or so, that definitely changes when you get to about that three or four-day mark. So that leads me right there then to what's going on with milk volume. You're home with the baby. I'm going to assume that you're at the three or so day mark. It's really important to understand that milk volume is still driven by that idea that frequency is important. Frequency is important. By the end of the first week, most mothers, if they have had a vaginal delivery, we'll have about 600 milliliters of milk. So that's about two-thirds of a quart. If you have had a cesarean section, you may have a little bit less in that, like around six days. You may have about 500 milliliters, okay? But you will be able to quickly pick that up at about day seven or day eight. In other words, you will be caught up with the mother who has had a vaginal delivery within a day or so. But you still won't really have a full, super full supply until the end of the month. And that is a different show, okay? So, by the end of the week, most mothers will have about 600 mils. That is about two-thirds of a quart. Cesarean sections, mothers may have about 500 milliliters, but can pick that up to 600 in a day or two. And if you are a pump-dependent mother, that means for some reason or another, your baby is too sick to suckle your breasts or to suckle effectively, 
then you've got a different story on your hands. Then you may not have that 500 milliliters. And if I were in your city, I'd be wanting to see you and talk with you and just make sure that all was on the straight and narrow. Uh, Pump-dependent mothers are kind of a, a little different. Now, there are any number of reasons why you wouldn't have enough milk. It could be a preglandular condition, as Dr. Jane Morton says. That is something you were born with, and the, the thing that would come to my mind would be something like you never had breast enlargement. It could be a glandular condition. It could be a postglandular condition, and that could be something like, uh, well, it's usually mismanagement of breastfeeding, but it could be something like a retained placenta. That doesn't happen very often, very rarely, actually, but it can happen. So then let me talk a little bit about what happens with milk content after you've gotten yourself home. That's called transitional milk. Well, the what I just said isn't entirely true. Uh, transitional milk has slightly different content than colostrum or than mature milk. That would be a better way to say it. How is it different from the colostrum? Well, in the colostral phase, you will have this really good concentration of immunoglobulins and total protein. And that kind of decreases when you get to the um, transitional phase. But then, when you're in the transitional milk phase, you'll have the lactose and the fat in the total caloric content that increases. At about that same time, water-soluble vitamins will increase. And by that, I mean, for example, uh, vitamin B or vitamin C. Whereas the fat-soluble vitamins, and by that I mean A, D, E, and K, those decrease. Now, mature milk doesn't usually appear until about two weeks postpartum. Now, experts kind of sort of disagree on that, but I think that that's a reasonable thing to say. By about this time when you have this transitional milk, you should not be having so much of that uncomfortableness that goes along with the engorgement. That should be resolving. But I want you to remember here, that you've only lost the swelling and the discomfort. You have not lost your milk. Really, really important that you understand. Discomfort and swelling has gone or nearly gone. Milk is still there and your breasts are still filling and you will have even more milk. Now, people get a little bit nuts around this time asking me, but I'm not sure I have enough milk. What's going on? What if I don't have enough milk? He seems to be crying, etc., etc. I'm going to give you three simple strategies for increasing your milk. If you don't listen to another word that I say, make sure that you t- remember these three things. Number one, skin-to-skin contact. Skin-to-skin contact, skin-to-skin contact. Sometimes that means just putting that baby on your chest and wrapping the two of you up together. Other times it means skin-to-skin while he's on the breast. So don't wrap him up in 50 million blankets and expect him to do it. He needs to be skin-to-skin, wrap the two of you up together. Number two, frequent feedings. And by that, I mean about every three hours. Make sure that you're looking for those hunger cues that we've talked about before. And thirdly, 
audible swallowing. Almost always, you will have good letdown and good latch and therefore audible swallowing. Okay? Things to not do. Don't start using the pump. And don't go for those far out things. Just go back to those three strategies. Okay, then. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about how, by the end of 10 days or so, the milk story is a little different than it was at three days. And by about 10 days, the mother has more, excuse me, I'm sorry, that's what we just talked about. (laughs) And by 10 days, the mother has more volume. The content is a little different. Pretty much, the engorgement has resolved. And we talked about three simple and very effective ways to increase milk supply. So we'll be right back. Don't go away after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi there, and welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuto. Now, I want to know, have you emailed me your questions yet? I have gotten some questions in the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to take those on in the last segment today. So, if you have a question for me, that's what email is for. Here's how to find me on email. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Again, email me with your breastfeeding questions at radio at borntobebreastfed.com, and I'll do my best to include your questions on a future show. By the way, when you email me a question, be sure that you tell me how old your baby is, because a lot of my answer will depend on how old your baby is, and tell me if you've got any special circumstances, like if you had a cesarean or if the baby is premature or if there's something else going on. Okay, then. Before we went to break, I was talking about that period between about three and ten days, and Basically, I concentrated on the milk. Now, I'm going to talk about that same period from about 3 to 10 days, but I'm going to concentrate more on the infant's communication and his behaviors. Here's what I will frequently hear. Oh, we got the baby home from the hospital. We didn't know what to do. All he did was cry the first night. That's all he did. Okay. Well, let's back up a minute, and let's think about what crying is. Let's talk about communication. Last I checked, this baby does not have a really big vocabulary, okay? Hasn't gone to Harvard yet. So, the baby's way to communicate is by crying. And it is absolutely possible that he's hungry, But let's look at the whole idea here of crying as communication. First of all, remember that your baby is going to cry more after about three or four days because he's more alert. He says, whoa, I got through with that big trip and now I'm not as tired. I'm kind of ready to, you know, get up and go boogie in here. So baby is more alert. Think about what crying is, maybe in your own life. Maybe when you cry, maybe it's because you communicate your needs and your, I hate to say weaknesses, but but yeah, you know, you've had a bad day, you break down and cry. But what happens when you cry? You release energy. Haven't you ever had a good cry for yourself and then you feel better at the end? Well, that's kind of what the baby is doing. So think of crying as accomplishing those two things and communicating to you the reasons that I'm going to tell you. Let's assume that maybe baby isn't hungry. What are some other reasons why he might cry? Well, some of the same reasons we cry. We might cry because we're lonely. We might cry because we're overtired. We might cry because we're over hungry. No joke. There are times when I've been on the road and I am so hungry that by the time I sit down in the restaurant, I can just feel that, oh, I am going to cry if I don't get some food right away. But 
It might be because the baby is wet or hungry, uh, wet or dirty. I hope that we don't have that problem. But you get where I'm going with this here. Let's look at a bunch of things that the baby could be trying to communicate to you. But sometimes parents will will talk about these fussy behaviors as though it's something like bad or wrong or they think there's something wrong with the baby. Well, a lot of those babies are just communicating the normal things. I would want you to not overlook something, though, that's really important. And that is, notice that a few minutes ago I said maybe the baby is lonely. Lonely. They have shown in research studies that, in fact, babies cry less when they have human contact. So, as simple as it sounds, what's the easy fix to that? More human contact, okay? More human contact. But it could be that the baby has, like, gas in his digestive tract. Could he have gas in his stomach or his small or his large, his large intestine? Maybe he needs a really good burp, okay? And if you put the baby up over your shoulder, sometimes they'll have a good burp that way. Sometimes, and it's kind of, I'm standing here doing it, and I realize you can't see my hand, but I will sort of put the kids on my lap and then lean the baby a little bit forward on my, I've got him, in other words, on my left hand, and he's sort of forward. Sometimes that helps to bring out that burp, too. What I want you to avoid is patting very vigorously. I have seen some parents that are patting so hard, and really, they're trying to get a burp out of him, and the baby just doesn't have a burp. But what they're giving him is some negative stimuli, all righty? When I can hear that patting across the room, that tells me that that's negative stimuli. Most babies really don't need that, unless they're crying. That's possible. But sometimes when you just hold them up over your shoulder, they'll get that big burp out, and the crying stops, and that's it. Okay? Don't leap to conclusions that the baby has some sort of ailment. Really important to understand that. Parents say, oh, my baby is eight days old, and he has colic. No, I seriously doubt it. Colic doesn't usually start that often. Oh, my baby is six days old, and he has an allergy to something that I have in my milk. Well, we talked about that a couple of shows ago. It's pretty unlikely that that's what's bothering him, and it's pretty unlikely that he has an allergy at this stage. It's certainly possible, but it's usually quite unlikely. Oh, my baby has lactose intolerance. Not very possible. Lactose intolerance is something that babies don't experience until they're about two years old. Okay? If babies were born with lactose intolerance, the human race would have died out. Oh, my baby has reflux. Well, again, that's certainly possible. But just because a baby has a spit-up doesn't mean that he has reflux. So any of those kinds of things, you need to be aware that they're possible, but probably pretty unlikely. And I want to emphasize what I said a couple of shows ago about something I ate. It usually actually isn't something you ate. Let's look 
at some behaviors that are different after that three-day period, okay? In the three-day period, your baby had very few wet diapers, very few dirty diapers. Now, it's different. After about three or four days, you should be seeing about six to eight wet diapers in a 24-hour period. And that's basically as soon as your milk supply becomes abundant, that's when you'll see it. Dirty diapers. At least, at least three dirty diapers in a 24-hour period after your milk supply becomes abundant. And those stools should look like cottage cheese and mustard and sesame seeds all mixed together. There are certainly some events that will provoke episodes of fussiness. For instance, not burping. We talked about that. I would also suggest that you look at some things that are going on with you. Your baby blues, and and that's what they call them. Mothers get kind of tearful, kind of weepy. I always say that about the time that the milk comes in, the tears come in too. Okay, mothers start to experience those those baby blues right around that time. But by the time that you're home a little while, the baby blues should go away. Now, some mothers will actually feel euphoric. They feel like they want to take on housekeeping and they want to take on the world. And the caution that I would offer about that is, remember that giving birth is a major life-changing event. So try not to overdo it. Some moms just go home and feel really frustrated. They feel like they're looking around their house and the house is kind of a mess and the little kids aren't getting what they need and so forth. And again, don't expect yourself to be the hostess with the mostess. It's not realistic. And on top of the fact that this is a life-changing event, remember that in some cases, in some cases, you've had major surgery. So really, really important here. You may feel exhausted or you may feel sleep deprived. Sometimes if you can possibly arrange it, get the little kids to take a nap or maybe get a a neighbor to watch the little kids and you take your nap. That's often a big, big piece of what needs to happen here. So, Basically, what I talked about here is some of those crying is a, is a communication issue. Some of the behaviors that the baby will have with increased output, maybe increased episodes of that fussiness, and also some of the things that the mother will feel, and most of those things are normal. That's pretty much what we've talked about. When we come back, we're going to talk a lot more about some of these breastfeeding behaviors and the milk consumption and growth spurts. Those are things that are especially important. So do not go away. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso. And just before the break, we were talking about some baby behaviors in between that time when the baby comes home from the hospital and about that 10-day mark or thereabouts. So in this segment, what I'd really like to help you to look at is a little bit more of the the breastfeeding behaviors as opposed to the communication behaviors that I was talking about earlier. First of all, Let's talk a little bit about frequency and duration. Honestly, duration probably doesn't matter all that much. Frequency is enormously important. A well, full-term, able baby should be at the breast about every three hours around the clock, and that's not just during the hospital period. It's not just during the colostral period. It is for a very long time. We've talked about the baby being more alert. And so, hence what you're going to find is that he is nursing frequently and you're not having to coax him as much. And that is okay. I want to emphasize, and I know you've heard me say this so many times, you're probably sick of hearing it, but audible swallowing is so important. Now, just today, I heard about a mother 
who said, now the baby is, I'm thinking, two days old the baby is now. Okay. And she said, the baby nursed for 45 minutes. And I'm thinking, ooh, I don't know if that's so great or not. Because when a baby is nursing 45 minutes, it tells me that he's not necessarily getting, in fact, he's probably not getting milk all of those 45 minutes. You really need to listen for audible swallowing. I don't care how long the baby was at the breast. I don't care if he was there 45 minutes or 45 days. If you don't hear the baby swallowing, he's not getting a good feed. And the same goes true for when you go home with that baby as well as during your hospital stay. Now, what about does he need to take one breast or both breasts or doesn't it matter? Here's my take on this, and I think that we've finally gotten some research that actually backs up what I've been saying for more than 30 years. What's important is that the baby gets a good feed. Offer the one to, wants, and then I would offer him the chance to burp, by the way. He may burp, he may not burp, but give him the chance. And then I would... Um, Offer him the second breast, see if he's interested. The most important thing, again, listen if you've got the baby swallowing. Now, certainly by the time that you bring the baby home, his stomach is a little larger and his stomach is able to stretch, which it can't do in those first couple of days. All right? So, what I want to impress upon you here is. Frequency, frequency, frequency. Make sure that the baby is getting the milk. Make sure you're having a good let down and that you are relaxed. And the baby is going to take what he needs. Now, all of that said, I know what's on your mind. You're thinking, oh, yeah, but after I got home from the hospital, I had to go back to the pediatrician for a 24 to 48-hour post-hospital discharge visit. And that pediatrician is going to be looking at my baby's weight. And I'm going to be saying, you know what? You are so right. That pediatrician is going to be looking at your baby's weight. But understand that in the first few days of life, it's not at all unusual for babies to lose some weight especially if the mother has had a lot of fluid that was given to her by IV, which usually happens if you have, I mean, it does happen if you've got anesthesia via the epidural route, okay? So if your fingers are swollen, your breasts were swollen, your fingers and toes, etc., were swollen, then you've got extra water weight. And so sometimes those babies are born with extra water weight, so that's part of it. Even for mothers who have not had extra fluids on board, their babies will lose some weight too. And what I'd like to, exp- although probably not as much, what I'd like to explain about that is that it's so important that you recognize that when the baby has got a lot of that, what I like to call water weight on board because of the mother's fluid. When the baby is first born, we assume that that's a baseline weight. And I don't know that that's necessarily a correct assumption. If you look at the work of Dr. Uh, Chantry and colleagues, I think you'll see that that question is still being asked in the in the research. And I think we're getting more evidence that shows that really might not be 
a baseline weight. So then the next thing that you're worried about is, okay, Marie, that's really great, uh, but just remember, at two weeks, we got to go back to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician is going to be asking to make sure that the baby has regained his birth weight by two weeks. Well, you know, not every baby regains their birth weight by two weeks. If they do, that's really great. If they don't, what I would be more interested in is to see what percentage of babies, of the baby's weight, has the baby lost at two weeks. If he's down 5%, that's not a big deal. If he's down 7%, and by the way, I'm talking when he's discharged. If he's discharged at 5% weight loss, probably okay if all is going well. 7% weight loss at discharge, probably okay if all is going well. Same thing with that two weeks mark. If the baby is kind of, sort of, more or less, almost, kind of inching up to his birth weight again, and if all is going well, it's probably okay. But a lot of times what I find is that all is not going well. That baby doesn't have a good latch or he doesn't have audible swallowing. And that's the time when you need to really make sure that you are getting the help you need, either from a professional or Simply by starting, and this is what I would do initially and actually from as soon as the baby is born, okay? I know I'm saying the same thing, but it's get skin-to-skin contact with that baby, frequent feeding with the baby, and you may very well find that you can turn that around in a very, very short time. So, as a general rule, and this is like so general, but during the first month, the baby will gain about a half to one ounce per day. Now, I'm not talking about those first three or four days, right? You know that. But thereafter, you're kind of looking for about a half to one ounce average. Sometimes they'll have a little more, sometimes a little less. That's okay. But the goal is to regain his birth weight by two weeks. With a teenager, what we think is that they're going to grow out of their trousers overnight. And that's not at all what we're talking about with a newborn. A growth spurt in a newborn would probably be better characterized as a time when they have these increased appetite um, needs. And they go into sort of these feeding frenzies, if you will. I usually like to tell mothers that it's like a a 24-hour-a-day smorgasbord. The baby steps up and says, time to eat, time to eat, time to eat. And he really, truly believes that it's always just time to eat. This becomes difficult for the mother who thinks that she doesn't have enough milk. And I like to warn her that she does have enough milk. During these growth spurts, right around that 10-day mark, okay, this is when mothers go, they think, I don't have enough milk, and so they start to reach for the supplement. It's very unlikely that the baby needs the supplement. What the baby really needs is to have frequent feedings. That's why he's in that feeding frenzy, okay? And doing that frequently, getting good skin-to-skin contact, and I would do, by the way, at least an hour of skin-to-skin contact with your baby at least once a day if you possibly can. That's going to increase your milk supply and letting him eat as often as he wants to. 
try not to go goofy on some of these. I, I've seen, for instance, people that will pump four times in an hour. And I totally discourage pumping during the first month of life unless there is a medical reason to do so. All right? So that I would want to discourage. Again, appetite increases feeding frequency and cues for feeding feeding increase and mother needs to get that baby to breast early early and often i usually tell mothers that once the baby starts that sort of feeding frenzy behavior it takes up to 72 hours in order to uh, really get enough milk so that's pretty much what i have to say about growth spurts and i want to strongly encourage you do not reach for that bottle of formula you can get all the milk you need not to worry okay i would just like to remind you that my comprehensive course the first one after the holiday will be at the end of january in sunny orlando just outside of the disney world area so if you want to come bring the family this is a really great opportunity i will be talking about all of the things that i've talked about on today's show and previous shows and you'll be able to get your 90 credits if you're interested in getting your IBCLC certification so that any of those things might work for you, but I'd especially like to suggest that you might want to come to Disney World. It's a great, great time. All right, then. That's all I've got for now, and I will see you on the other side of the break. Your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I'm pulling together this final segment here. I've had a number of questions that have come in over the last uh, couple of weeks, and I'd like to address those today. Uh, one of the questions that I've gotten, and I've gotten this like so many times in my life, but it's about rusty pipe syndrome. It happens in the first few days. What happens is, and by the way, you will only notice this if you are pumping. If your baby is suckling at the breast, you won't notice it at all, so it won't bother you. Okay, good deal. Uh, what happens is mothers who are pumping will notice this milk that looks like a rusty color. And they want to know if it's okay and is it okay to feed to their baby. And the answer is absolutely. It is absolutely okay to feed to your baby. I'm not sure that anybody is really clear about why rusty pipe syndrome happens, but I will tell you that it got named rusty pipe because if you've ever had like a summer cabin and you go to the cabin after you've been away for a while, you will see that when you turn on the faucet in the bathroom, the water will come out and it has sort of this rusty color. And then the longer that you let the faucet run, the clearer it becomes. Well, some women, and I'm saying some women, not a lot, but some women have that when they uh, pump their milk and they can see it and it's like this, I don't know, kind of an orangey tinge, like it's not a big deal and it is okay to give to the baby. Here's another question that I got, and this was from a woman who is a lactation consultant. She said, do we have any good data on the percentage of newborns who are twins who are exclusively breastfed? And the answer is, unfortunately, no. We do not collect that data on a national basis. So I would tell you, however, that having taught in 40 out of the 50 states, I have an awful lot of professionals who tell me that mothers of twins are advised not to breastfeed. And we had that whole conversation in the show that I did with Karen Gramada, uh, I don't know, six or seven or so shows ago on twins and higher order multiples. So you'll want to get Karen's take on that for sure. Here's, <clears throat> excuse me. Another question that I get. What about spoiling, Marie? You're always talking about putting that baby to breast very frequently, and the parent wants to know if they're going to spoil the baby. And the answer is no. Pick up that baby every time he chirps. When parents are worried about spoiling them, what I say is that spoiling is when a A child, and I'm talking a toddler here, when a toddler knows that they can cry or whine or do whatever they do in order to manipulate the parent into doing a behavior that the child wants, and then the parent gives in, okay? 
when the child knows that he can manipulate the parent, that is, and the parent responds to what he wants, that is spoiling. A newborn or an infant cannot be spoiled because they really haven't figured out how to manipulate the parent, okay? They simply do not have that cognitive ability. So, no, you will not spoil your baby to the contrary. The baby will learn that when he has a need, the parent responds quickly. When the baby has a need, the parent responds quickly. When the baby has a need, the parent responds quickly. And so what does the baby learn? The baby learns that he's going to have his need met by the parent. As a result, research has shown that actually those babies are much more independent when they are a toddler because they've learned that the, actually probably before that, I think, they've learned that they can depend on the parent. And that's what they're really looking for, is that they know, if you look at the work of Eric Erickson, he talks about trust versus mistrust. And basically, what the baby is learning to do is trust the parent. And honestly, as a parent, isn't that kind of what you want? You want the baby to trust you. Okay? Uh, what about being readmitted to the hospital? For example, uh, the mother has been readmitted because she's got a high blood pressure or some such thing. Now, that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. So what I'd like you to do here is to remember that you've got to keep the milk You've got to keep the breasts emptied. I hate to use that word empty because, of course, breasts are never really emptied, but you know what I mean. You've got to remove to refill. Remove to refill. Uh, Here's another question. Oh, and by the way, do not throw out that milk. No matter what happens, stick to your guns. Save that milk. And I'll talk in another show about storage of, of mother's milk. But it's really important to store that milk. If there's something truly, truly wrong, we can figure it out later. But most times I find out that even professionals, because they don't know, they think it should just be automatically thrown out. And it should not automatically be thrown out. It should automatically be saved and then figure out later if there's some reason to not give it. And I would really go to the depths of the earth to figure that one out. Here's another one. Marie, what about um, the um, waking up at night to feed the baby? Just remember that the mother has got prolactin on board when she's feeding the baby, and that prolactin will make her more relaxed and more able to just go back to sleep. So that's just a really cool thing that you need to know about breastfeeding at night. Babies really need to have that nighttime feeding, and it kind of gets off the track when you don't feed the baby. Just one other thing, and that was about a mother who is what I would call pump-dependent. For some reason or another, she has a baby who she left at the hospital. The baby is in the neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU. And the question is, uh, how many times, how does she keep up that milk supply? And the answer is, the simple answer is, that she should be pumping as often as the baby would be feeding if the baby were able to feed. But if he isn't, if you look at the work of Dr. Jane Morton, she will tell you 
that you will produce the most amount of milk when you're doing more than seven pumpings in a day. More than seven pumpings in a day if you are a pump-dependent mother. Uh, And I mean, therefore, your baby cannot, for some reason or another, cannot suckle your breast. Well, that's all the time we have today. Wow, I really mowed through those questions. Be sure to tune in next week when I'll have Diana West as my guest. Diana is the author of a book on breastfeeding after breast surgery, as well as three other books. If you haven't had breast surgery, and even if you haven't read Diana's books, I know you'll be interested to hear all that she has to say. Very a uh, resourceful woman, very good speaker, very interesting guest. I know you'll love Diana. Meanwhile, visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of that show. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that website is borntobebreastfed.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.